0: Make America Swole Again. That's the title of today's guest's podcast. Uh, Josh Holyfield is our guest on today's Manlyhood Mancast.
1: Men, your journey to becoming a better man starts today. Grab a hold of what matters and make it count. Welcome to the Manlyhood Mancast with Josh hadger
0: Hey, fellas, grab your calendars because we've got an event coming up that you do not want to miss. So, October 28th, which is a Saturday of 2023, from 5 o'clock to 8. We are going to relax and smash right on Minard Run in Bradford, Pennsylvania. It's an axe-throwing place, and it's going to be our Manlyhood Season 7 launch party. We are celebrating the fact that we've been running for 10 years. We're celebrating that this is the launch of our seventh season, and we're celebrating over 700,000 downloads well on our way to a million downloads. So get pumped for a killer night with Hanging out with the guys, good times, and axe throwing. It's going to be great. So, the folks at Relax and Smash are giving us a fantastic deal. Normally, it costs 15 or 20 bucks if you want to throw. They're going to let us do it for five bucks a person. And there's going to be a food truck on hand as well. So, if you want to throw some axes, grab some dinner, hang out with the guys, and have a good time, that's what we're going to be doing on October 28th. From 5 to 8 p.m. So, yeah, it's going to be great. Bring your friends, invite your neighbors, let's go party in style <laughs> so we can kick off this season seven of the Manlyhood Mancast. Uh, again, that's the Manlyhood Mancast season seven launch party, and it's happening on October 28th, 2023, from 5 to 8 at Relax and Smash on Minard Run in Bradford, PA. Listen, even if you're from out of town, this is worth coming into town for because we're going to have a good time. So come, join us, and celebrate together. See you guys there.
1: This is the Manlyhood Mancast.
0: Gentlemen, welcome to the Manlyhood Mancast. I hope you guys are enjoying Season 7 as much as I am. We've got some great content lined up for you throughout this season. We're going to be interviewing some amazing guests including today's guest Josh Holyfield. Josh Holyfield is uh, an army veteran and he is a bodybuilding and fitness expert and so he's going to talk to us about that but he's also going to talk to us about entrepreneurialism and he's going to talk to us about being a man and how striving to make ourselves better matters. Guys Josh Holyfield is our guest on today's Manlyhood, mancast. man cast josh holyfield it's great to have you on the show today man we've been uh, wanting to put this together for a little while i've been watching your work so i'm glad to be able to have a conversation with you today man all right man i'm really excited to meet you josh
2: uh, this has been something i've been waiting for for quite some time so i'm pumped awesome
0: awesome so dude what caught my attention about you is the name of your podcast and i think i think that might be a great place to start our conversation so why you, tell me the name of your podcast and, and what your goal is with that thing, man.
2: Um, so Make America Swole Again is the name of the podcast. And uh, when I first started what we'll call the Josh Holyfield Project, which is, has eventually evolved into you know, several businesses across social media, um, at the time, Trump was like incredibly controversial right the make america great again the red caps the drama about politics on social media and i had and it was kind of in the midst of you know the 20 the the 2020 election and you know talking about biden and hillary and the whole situation with all that and i remember very specifically i did a video in my facebook group where i was like i don't know why you guys are so worried about joe biden he doesn't even fucking lift, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're not worried about making America great again. We're make, we're worried about making America swole again. Let's go, right? And it's me <laughs> doing a, a video of me doing curls. And so that's kind of how it started. And honestly, the message and the content and the delivery has evolved over the years. But... We stuck with it and it's kind of just kind of been the tagline. It's it's done really well, so that's the yeah. story. It. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think you know, that that time frame in history was crazy. You know, well I mean first I mean twenty sixteen, like I remember at that point I'm like like, okay, I'm probably gonna vote for Trump, but we just <laughs> turn it all off now. Can we just turn it off? You know? Like it was just ridiculous. And then um and when you talk about him being controversial then you know 2020 yeah it was like the, the height of his controversy and now I almost think people are kind of wanting to go back They're like you know I think we can handle that I think we can yeah. I think all of the horrible things that I didn't like about him I think we can handle and I'm just like I told you well it's it's
2: it's a and not to take this right into politics No, I got it's, you. Like, it's a uh I think it's a it's a it's people realizing that wow like my feelings are a lot less important than all of the other things that this guy should be competent in and he should be doing and taking care of. And those things aren't getting done and it really impacts the quality of my life. Maybe in the future, I shouldn't be so worried about my feelings. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I've always said, I've always said, you know, is if if you have time to be worried about the way that you feel, that's a privilege. Hmm. Right. Because there's a lot of people in countries and other places across the world who, quite frankly, your feelings don't matter at all because you have more important things to worry about, like your survival, right? Mm-hmm. And so, as I think, as we're progressing election to election, and people are more and more comfortable. We kind of see this progression and the what I would say dr- drama of the election
0: more so than anything like we've seen in the last eight years or so, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So
0: I um, yeah. I think a lot about the like we talk a lot about you know emotional health, and I don't mean like I I like to frame it in a masculine way because typically the world likes to frame it in this touchy feely cry all the time way, and I mean first of all there's nothing wrong with me crying, you know. If you need to cry, cry. But but the whole idea of like yeah, it's a luxury to even <laughs> have the opportunity to think about what you're feeling, you know? Yeah. You know, and 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 it's I think we even see that in our own lives, dude. Like like, you know, if you're going through grief or trauma or something, right? You have something bad happen to you. Like, but you still have to put three square meals on the table, you know, and you still gotta pay the rent. Like sometimes being functional comes first and then eventually you can deal with the other stuff and that's a hard thing to do and it takes time to learn how to do it. And if you don't take care of the, the emotional stuff, eventually you'll have to, but you know, you're right. That's a good thought, man. Like I like that thought.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so we live in this world where you have like this side or that side and everybody's arguing, but at the end of the day, you know, Most men aren't even worried about those things because they're having trouble dealing with and managing their own depression, their own stress, their own anxieties, their own internal monologue that they're dealing with, while also carrying the torch of their bloodline, their legacy, their family, and being able to provide for their kids and keep their wife safe and do all the things that they're doing. And to be quite honest, I don't think that as many people are worried about the politics that we see out there as much as you think they are. Right. As much as they tell us we should be worried about them. Exactly. It's just <laughs> a way to divide people and give people yeah. something to be angry about is really what it comes down to. I think yeah, most that, people are just kind of
0: centrists when it comes to most things, right? Well, because being angry about it sells soap and cars and <laughs> because, yeah, you, then you give it your attention. If you're angry or afraid, then that gets your attention and then, you know, they can sell you pharmaceutical products. So. Oh yeah, no, hundred
2: percent. We could go down that rabbit
0: hole all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I always have to be careful because man, I could get yeah rabbit holes. Man, I dude, twenty twenty wrecked me, dude. Like I went down every rabbit hole there was, and uh, from you know, not necessarily on my podcast, right? But like in my scrolling habits, I'm like everything from Pizzagate Gate to, um, <laughs> you yeah, know, <laughs> you know, like the moon landing, and I like I'm like I have no idea. What, how much of this stuff is true but it sure is entertaining.
2: <laughs> I guess the only thing I'll say about the whole 2020 situation was just go look at the numbers and see who got rich and who
0: got poor. Mhm. Yep. Right? The, the, There's a the lot of big got, people out there that got really rich. The people that got really rich are the ones that were telling you uh <laughs> that we're telling everybody, <laughs> you know, you know how wrong everything everybody was doing was and how they need to be looking out for the poor while they got rich. So yeah, a hundred percent.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny cause I remember like lines outside of the local Walmart and people like standing on dots so that they could go get their food for the week. So that and moving single file, like we did in elementary school. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, thinking to myself, like I
0: I'm doing this, but my gym is closed. Right. And then you're going to check out behind a, a wall of plexiglass and while the cashier is touching everything to ring it out and then handing it to you and then you're handing them your cash. Which, yeah, it's like, come on. Or, 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 or this one, you know, when you, when you go to swipe your debit card and you go to punch your pin in and they would put a sheet of plastic wrap over the keypad, but they didn't change the sheet of plastic wrap after every customer like somehow the plastic wrap kept the germs away. <laughs> it's, it's like people walking around with the latex gloves on
2: where they're like blowing their nose with them and touching everything. And just like those are now your new skin. I hope you understand. Right? People do like it's just that that false sense of security that people had. And that I think yeah. they were just attaching themselves because they were so scared. And I get it, man. People get scared, and they, they'll logic goes out the window when that well, happens, right?
0: And when it first happened, none of us knew anything either, right? Like I, I even, I went back and I listened to my podcast episodes about like, hey guys, let's like, it's what's the manly response to this? Is we probably should go along, you know, with some of it at first because we didn't know, you know. And then as soon as we we started finding out, I'm like, dude, why would they. I did the same thing. And I think at some point I
2: was like, okay, we've crossed the threshold of tolerance for this. It's time to open this shit back up. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's where I started my, I remember I had a very specific podcast episode. It was like titled hashtag open America. And I just went ham on it about how none of this makes any sense. We need to wake up and just stop accepting these shifts and changes to society. And, Most of my audience, I'm sure probably your audience is the same, was like, absolutely, 100% agree. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the problem is, is we think that we're a minority, right? And so nobody wants to be like that first to step forward and take action and actually stand up for their beliefs and values and rights and so instead they kind of just sit as wallflowers and wait around for somebody else to do something and then they attach themselves to that but nobody actually wants to be that guy yeah which is why we kind of go down this line where people's rights are continuing to being infringed and taken and taken and taken because nobody's willing to be what i would say the guinea pig you know
0: yeah i mean every You know, if you translate the whole thing to China in the 80s, you remember Tiananmen Square and like the one person just standing down, staring down a tank, you know, it's like nobody wants to be that guy, you know, but sometimes you gotta be and you gotta stand up and say, no, no more of that. And, and dude, like, I think that even that whole thing, if you take it down on a very personal level, like, if I want to be the best man that I can be, I have to do that to whatever forces are holding me back, you know, and that even if those forces are myself, you know? Yeah,
2: 100%. Most, I think, and and that's actually a perfect segue to take this into the manliness conversation is, I think the biggest thing that's holding most men back from being the men that they were called to be and could potentially be is their struggle with standing in integrity with their values, what they truly believe is, is right. Right? and that that what we just talked about is a phenomenal example of that how many men knew what they were doing there wasn't something right about it that they didn't agree with it but they were afraid to risk their job or you know their social status or they didn't want the confrontation and they chose to just turn a blind eye or tolerate it when they knew there was something wrong. They felt and after the fact felt like I'm sure there's a certain degree of shame that came with that, you know, and it's really hard to be the man that you're called to be and stand in that masculine space. If you're ashamed of who you are.
0: Mm.
2: Right. And that was my point with the whole conversation is, Hey dude, like if you believe that this is the right thing to do, stand on that hill if you don't stand on that hill (laughs) right it's okay to disagree we can have a conversation and it's also okay for you to move from hill to hill if you actually your system of values and beliefs have shifted based upon a healthy conversation or debate but a man who stands for you know doesn't stand for his his values effectively stands
0: for nothing which means he's worth nothing and that's kind of my opinion of it Hmm. I would agree with your sentiments there man tell me what that looks like in your life like like is is that is there a part of your life where you said okay that's this is going to be who I am and I'm going to stand on this from here forward
2: yeah man and so that actually goes back to the birth of this business and what I do and why I started my podcast and built my audience and Everything that I do, it started as, I I don't look really muscular, as muscular now, but I was like bodybuilder size, 250 pounds of just walking around. And it started with me giving workout programs and I had just gone, gone through a divorce, really traumatic divorce, was going through the custody and just kind of dealing with the PTSD from the military and had a lot of struggle and kind of things to overcome. And I had come to a realization and it actually all started when I read Extreme Ownership by Jocko and Leaf where I realized I'm like, dude, like all of this is my fault. And so when I stepped forth into kind of entrepreneurship, it started as, Hey, I'm just going to offer workout programs for guys who want to lose weight and get jacked and juicy make America swole again. Right? Like that was the whole goal. And then I realized, dude, there are so many guys out there where being overweight or struggling with their health or, you know, not being able to stay motivated or committed or dealing with issues with discipline or struggling with depression. Those are the problems that create the obesity and the extra weight and the inability to stay healthy being overweight isn't the problem. It's the problem that they're not, is the problem is they're not feeling fulfilled. They're struggling with confidence. They're struggling with integrity. They're struggling with discipline and consistency. And I'm like, bro, like this is the epidemic. Men's mental health is the problem. It's not obesity, it's mental health. And we live in a world where I'm living proof that Your wife will literally sit and watch you destroy your life, giving for yourself, giving to your family, providing for them, not take care of yourself. Let your health go down to the complete worst. Your mental health, depressed, lack of fulfillment, dealing with all that. And we have dudes who give everything for their family and then are destroyed by it. And then halfway through their marriage, their kids are teenagers, the wife up and leaves and takes half. (laughs) right Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and I see it by the like I'm not even over exaggerating by the thousands and so then my message started to shift where we started talking about those issues here's how you build confidence here's how you create a relationship of integrity with yourself here's what being a man is and It starts with fulfilling the commitments that you make to yourself. It starts with understanding that in order for you to be the best man that you can be, that your family deserves, you have to be willing to put your health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual first. Then you can give them that man that they deserve. And most guys have it backwards. And when we started doing that, I realized, holy crap, There's a lot of things that I'm not standing in integrity with in my own life. And that's what kind of pushed me into, okay, uh, halfway through COVID, they tried to get me to vaccinate. I worked for the government. I quit my job. Hmm. I worked, uh, I was a GS uh, government employee with retirement tenure and the best you can get. They should give it back to you now, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. So I quit my job because I wasn't willing to vaccinate. Um, I was like, I I started training with firearms again, obviously it had been years since I started doing pistol and rifle and carbine, taught myself how to cook, taught myself how to hunt, taught myself how to defend myself. I do martial arts four to five times a week. I lift weights every day. Uh, I focus like all of the things that I talk about. I realize i 'm like, bro, I need to learn how to stand in complete integrity with my message, mm-hmm. and because of that it's it 's made me uh the man that I am today is tenfold better than what it was when I first started this, and so that 's kind of the background on all that on all that to answer your question. I know it's kind of drawn out
0: well i 'm actually glad I asked it, and i 'm glad you shared it because dude like that 's part of my struggle myself like i uh you know several years ago, I lost a hundred pounds like in one year. Like I lost hundred pounds. Wow. I was, dude, I was way out of shape and ate keto and worked hard and ate keto poorly. I'll say ate like lazy, dirty keto. And yeah. gave myself like the worst hemorrhoids ever. <laughs> it was a bad dude. It was bad. But then like, um, uh, in the years since then, like I've put that way back on and I've really struggled and like, like, recognizing and understanding, and I, I always try to be real with my, you know, with my listeners, because I'm like, like, there's some, I'm, I'm struggling, like, I've got hard things I'm working through, and so honestly, to hear you, like, as you're talking about, like, dude, it's about living in tech, in integrity with your message, and I'm like, dude, I'm telling people this stuff, and i got some stuff I gotta work on, so I'm, I'm appreciative that you told me that story, because it's encouraging me, and it's gonna, you know i feel like it's pointing me in the direction i need to go so thank you for sharing that
2: yeah dude and you know honestly and this is may not be a subject that you want to talk about but masculinity is kind of a a subject for debate to say the least
0: it it shouldn't uh, be right? but i get it
2: <laughs> you know and what some people are saying this some people are saying that some people are saying that some people are saying that and it's kind of interesting cuz if you read stefan arnio's book Right. Hard times create strong men. He actually Mm. talks specifically about how, you know, masculinity and what it means to be a real man is typically a, uh, a biased opinion from different groups of people based upon what they need from men. Mm. Right. And so, you know, what does a woman want from a man? Well, based upon what she needs from a man, she's going to decide what a real man is. Right, and so when I think about you know what is what can a man what, what does it mean to be a man? Um, I just think to myself, am I standing in complete integrity with I with I what with what I believe, right? And one of the things that I've been commonly hearing, more specifically since you know this whole masculinity conversation came about, is a lot of people saying that men need to be willing to be vulnerable right, and share the things that you just talked about, right, like I have things that I'm working on and this and that, I don't agree, right, and so I'm bringing that up because you said specifically I have, I know things I need to bring up, but does that make you vulnerable because you're willing to admit that you have things that you're working on? I don't think so, right, I think it makes you a human, and Everybody has things that they're working on. Now, the fact that you're willing to admit it is actually strength. It's not vulnerability. Right. And for us to, and for us to say it's being vulnerable, which is a synonym with weakness, I think is it, it, it takes away from what that means for us to really step forward in integrity with the things that we know that we need to improve
0: about ourselves as men. I'm right. really thankful that you bring that up because it's something I talk about a lot actually like uh i have a dog right yeah if i yell at my dog right or if i you know walk up to my dog you know my dog will roll over and show me her belly Mm Mm-hmm. you know and that like oh that's cute she wants her belly rubbed no she's telling you here's my throat and my vital organs i am going to be vulnerable because i know that if i'm vulnerable then i'm going to get (laughs) something from you you know what I mean? Like yeah, like yeah. I'll get the attention, we'll form the bond and then then you'll be happy and then I'll get, you know, it, like that's vulnerability and that's not at all what we should strive for. I, I, The word I like to use is authenticity. I think that if I'm being authentic, I'm being honest with you, I'm being truthful with you, I'm showing you who I am, warts and all, I don't need to hide it. Now, I think vulnerability can, can, vulnerability has merit in certain places. If I, in my relationship with my wife, if I'm not if I'm not authentic with her about how I'm feeling or what I'm going through, you know, or if you know, and if I'm hiding things from her, you know, and sometimes that means that she has to see where I'm weak so that she knows how to how to help. You know, mm-hmm. that's the relationship, you know. But I'm you know, with my best friends, you know, the people that I'm closest to, that my buddies that I need to stand in support in those areas that I need help. There's gonna be a little bit of vulnerability that kind of accompanies that authenticity, you know? But I don't just walk around saying to everybody, look here's my vulnerable organs, you know, and my here's my throat, so you can grab a hold of it like a dog. Like, that's not helpful. That just gut
2: me and take everything and take yeah. advantage of me and yeah. manipulate me and you yeah. Know. So to add to that, and this is kind of a point that I had, I hundred percent agree with your with what you're saying, but why would why would you sharing those parts of yourself make you vulnerable right? you get to choose whether or not right. that information about you or your feelings or what's going on internally is a vulnerability based upon whether or not you're in whether or not
0: you're secure about right. that with your you know with yourself well like I guess the the vulnerable that I mean is that there's times when you're taking a risk, sure you know? yeah, and so I'm yeah. taking a risk that when I tell my wife I'm really having a hard time today. I'm feeling a little off today. I'm, remember, I'm grieving my dad today or something, you know? Sure. You know, yeah. when I tell her that, I'm taking a risk that she could use that against me. So that's the vulnerability in that relationship. But, like, that's not a virtue. The virtue is that I'm being honest, mm-hmm. not that I'm showing my weakness. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah but Vulnerability isn't a virtue. It's like a side effect,
2: you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. And, you know, it's kind of funny because I, for the purpose of education and perspective, I follow and listen to the views of a lot of red pill type masculinity dudes
0: Mm -hmm.
2: who will say, you cannot be vulnerable. And I'll even say it for the most part. Yeah. But the caveat that I put on it is it only makes you vulnerable if you allow it to make you vulnerable. Right. Right. You can turn that into a shield. Right, and a lot of times your testimony and the things that most people would say make you vulnerable are actually things that are going to create the most impact in the world to help others. And and and, you know, great example. I'm sure you use this platform, Josh, as as a way to do that for
0: you know thousands of men. So good on you, bro. Yeah, yeah. I I I make it a point to be real. Let people know you know what I'm going through because I know that. And what's funny, like sometimes I'll do like I'll I'll say, man, I'm really you know, I'm struggling or having a hard time today. And I'm sharing it not to get sympathy, right? I'm sharing it because I want the guys to know, right? The guys that I'm that I'm reaching out to to know, one, I'm not perfect and I screw up, and sometimes I make a mess that I have to deal with. That's sometimes that the other end of it is sometimes it's like like uh it it allows them to know that it's okay to not be okay today, you know. But um, I, I have friends who use it to manipulate. Like social media is the worst because it's yeah. like, like, <laughs> like, like I'm really struggling mentally today, and the only reason that you said that is so that you can get the likes and the thumbs up and the dopamine hit to feel a little better, you know, feel a little bit better about yourself today, you know. And you want, and and then you start having people co-sign your BS you know, so that they can like make you feel better and like write you a check, basically a, a, yeah. a virtual check that says it's okay to feel like a jerk and it's okay to, you know, no, like, come on, dude.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's an instant unfollow. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because bro, not even, not even kidding you last week for my coaching with my clients, we talked about the differences between your responsibility to give empathy versus sympathy. Hmm right sympathy is what people are looking for because they want you to co-sign their their bullshit and give them a free pass and 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 help to shoulder the burdens of their problems that they've created in their own life where empathy is you reaching down out of your space but not stepping into their space and just understanding where they are which doesn't necessarily mean that you have to join them in their Misery or wherever they are, right? right. Which is it, what a lot of people are
0: looking for is the sympathy which you shouldn't be giving, right? It's like a firefighter, right? Like, you know, he goes into the burning building to pull the person out, but if he takes off all of his gear and goes <laughs> in, and, you know, like th- that's a different, th- that's not helpful, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Dude, like, uh, here, take my gear. <laughs> now he's dead, <laughs>
0: right? Here, here's my oxygen. And my my uh, you know Kevlar vest I don't even know what they wear I'm not a firefighter my uncle's a firefighter and he's probably gonna be listening and be really mad about it. And now he's like what the heck's wrong with you man yeah totally bro so I get that man
2: it's it's definitely a difficult difficult thing for a lot of people especially because there's so many victims out there who are looking for that it's almost like that once they get their hooks into you it's hard to escape that toxic type you know relationship that people attach themselves to you know.
1: So, this is the Manlyhood Mancast.
0: So, tell me more about your advice for the guys that you're helping out. You know, let's say you know these guys are like, "All right, I want to make them, I want to make myself swole again." <laughs> How does this yeah. look, man?
2: And so, I guess for me the when it comes to the people that I work with, we have, to, we have to create a bridge, right? And the bridge that we create is very, very simple. It's where are you now and where do you wanna be? I completely understand that most men, especially between you know 30 or 20 and 40, aren't looking to be professional bodybuilders or powerlifters or athletes. What they want is they just wanna feel good be confident and, you know, be healthy, right? That doesn't necessarily mean I have to walk around with six-pack abs and like these huge broad shoulders and look like, you know, the next Olympia. That just means that I need to learn how to prioritize my, my time so that I can get into the gym a few times a week minimum and, and clean up my nutrition, which is most of the, most of the case for a lot of people. Um, and so understanding what people's needs are and kind of what their goals are our entire goal and purpose and what we do with with the Iron Forge is what we call it, is helping men to realize that it's not a matter of creating balance. It's not a matter of, you know, spending four hours a day in the gym or you know f- doing this intense, you know, diet like keto, or it's just creating something that is sustainable that you can follow for the long term that aligns with your life's priorities right and like so what we do is we try to super super simplify everything and build programs and nutrition that aligns with the goals the lifestyle the budget the access to equipment like everything that that guy has going on in his life and realizing like. Going to the gym will never be his number one priority. So me as a coach, I don't need to be, you know, arrogant and narcissistic and thinking that he needs to follow my life and the way that I do things. Instead, I should go into his life and try to create something that's conducive for him to create the life that he wants to create, right? I think that the way that we flipped coaching on its head when it comes to health for men is... I want to come into your life and help you to create something that aligns with your priorities versus most personal trainers or coaches that you see online are like, oh, you want to lose weight? Okay, let's, fuck, let's count your calories and you have to log it in this app and write everything down and you have to go to the gym for this long and, here's, and it's like becomes like this extremely cumbersome f- f- distraction. Mm -hmm. that these people struggle with where it's like, dude, all I wanted to do was like lose 15 pounds and have my wife give me the look again. And you've got me over here training. Like I'm getting ready to go do a bodybuilding competition. All I wanted to do was fit into that shirt that I used to wear. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the other thing too, is I think for men and when we talk about the role of masculinity, it's protection and provision. Mm -hmm. So, From my perspective, my goal when I coach my clients isn't so much to make you look like you can do it, like a V6 Mustang, it's to help you to perform so that if the time comes where you come into a place where you're expected to protect your family, you're physically capable of doing that. Right. Right? And so does that mean that you walk around at 270 pounds at 6% body fat and you can't wipe your own ass? Probably not. <laughs> right? And so a lot of my coaching includes martial arts training, firearms training, in addition to fitness, and we try to create a holistic program that helps him improve in his primary function role as a man, which is protection. right? And so that's kind of the way that we do things and how it's a little bit different than what you would expect from a guy like me you see on on social media, I guess, to say
0: the least. Right, right. Yeah. It's funny because I get a lot of flack. Um, just because when you t- said the guy that looks like me on social media, you know, I get a lot of flack just in general in this man space from, you know, the, the purple hair crowd who, you know, it's like, oh, it's just one of those Andrew Tate wannabes. And I'm like, I don't even like Andrew Tate. so You know, like, what are you talking about? I, th- but, I think that Andrew
2: Tate is a marketing genius. Yeah, that is what, what it comes down that's to. That's what he is.
0: Right. Yeah, or or and, or a well crafted psyop. Which go <laughs> down that rabbit hole, and there's a quite an interesting. <laughs> well, a lot
2: of these people that fall within this category, and I'm not going to lie, I'm going to uh, I'm going to say I love him. And mm-hmm. the reason I I do is for a couple reasons. Is the first is because he's unapologetic about his views, his perspectives. How many men are willing to go out there into public in the open like that and be completely blunt, open, and honest about their views and not give a, not give a shit about what anybody thinks, right? He lives on his own terms and and does what he wants to do. I can tell you right now, there's not very many people out there who are willing to do the same. True. So if you have, if you're a person who is, you know, criticizing Andrew Tate, then I hope you're perfect. Because that guy right there puts everything out in the open, and he lives unapologetically,
0: which is more than most people could say. Right? I, I I would agree with that. I, and, I and do the, think I, I do think that you know I I uh, he's got some views that I don't like. They're a
2: little bit extreme, yeah. Right, especially but I think,
0: especially when it's to, to women, and you know, and you know, things like that. You know, I mean, like it, I don't like all that, but. You know, I read his his I don't know how many I don't remember how many tenants he has. I think it's forty one or some random number. And I'm like, so everything he said here I actually agree with. <laughs> for, for yeah. most of these red pill guys, it's the,
2: the major factor is they believe in polygamy. <laughs> That's it. Like So, you know, when you're talking about, you know, a traditional Muslim perspective on wives and how that works, or going back to those types of Old Testament style, uh, you know, marriage, that's what it was. You know, very, very old school, conservative style of, and when I say conservative, I'm saying extremely traditional style of, you know, uh, what we'd say, uh, the mechanics in the relationship. They live with that in that space. When you talk about, if you're a Christian, if you talk about New Testament, that's not what the Bible says. Right? We, we honor our wife. We love one right. woman. We stay devoted to her. And I, I think that those guys live a life of pleasure. And the vice is the women. They get validation through the women. They seek beautiful women who make them feel good externally on the outside. And a lot of those guys are struggling internally because they're not being healed and being given the energy that a strong, powerful woman can provide to a man when he's committed to her. And they're missing that key piece, which is part of the reason why they have such controversial views on the value of a woman because they don't understand the power that having that feminine woman in your life can truly bring and how she can heal you. I think that's really
0: important. I think that that it comes down to a lack of value on, on women, you know, like, you know, if it's, if she exists for your pleasure, then you're missing the point. Yeah. Yeah, And and I think that's, so that's, that's my deal with Andrew Tate, you know, and, and I, what I don't like about him, but, marketing genius 100% you know I mean, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. invented a you know uh a, a, a pyramid scheme that basically has the whole internet doing social media for him you know but um but you know his father was in the CIA so that's why i say the whole side of that you know i'm like yeah. What, like
2: yeah he's, he's definitely not a dummy that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: but yeah no but but you know the reality is As men talking to people today, that is who is capturing attention right now, you know, and, and I'm okay with the fact that, you know, if I have half, you know, half as many views, okay, maybe, maybe a 10th or less as many views as Andrew Tate gets, I'm okay with that, because it doesn't line up with my values to 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 do things the same way he does, I guess. That's just what I think about. But I, I only bring it up because, you know, we we kind of started talking about, you know, how that that there are a lot of people out there that do not understand what it is we're saying about about masculinity and manhood. And and I think it's important to be able to 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 say it clearly and succinctly. And I think that's what you're doing. I think you're saying it clearly and succinctly and I think that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, and I think that, you know, I guess for me to kind of capstone that is, I think the number one determining factor of, and I'm sure you're going to ask this question later, I know we already talked about that, but what makes a man a man is I think step one is realizing that our entire purpose and job is to serve. Mm. And I think that a lot of these young, new, we'll say new age, red pill, masculinity type guys that you see on social media, they're only serving themselves Mm. and they're using the vulnerabilities and the, how impressionable these young men are and how misguided struggling mentally these young men are to capture attention, to make them feel empowered as a way to serve themselves. They're not, They're these guys that you see all over the internet are not here to serve others. They're here to serve themselves. And I think that's the key difference. Mm. And there's a couple of really powerful leaders that I follow specifically that I know for a fact because I know them personally are here serving others, which I would definitely encourage people to follow, right? Instead of attaching themselves to those younger, what we'll say, new age masculinity types, right? So, so who would that be? Uh, number one, Andy Frisella, everything that Andy teaches on his podcast, Real AF, everything that he does with his content, um, his personal life, a lot, he aligns 100% with that system of values. And he, the only reason he's doing any of the things he's doing as far as content are concerned is because he wants to serve like the Real AF podcast doesn't even monetize and they're the number one entrepreneur podcast on the internet right now today. Right. He doesn't even monetize. He makes no money off of doing that and he does at least three podcasts a week to help people. Right? Okay. Jordan Peterson is another example. Ed Milet, another example. Sean Whalen is another good example of somebody who is looking to serve. Um, and so I think if you're looking to follow somebody who is really going to create an impact and help you as you navigate this thing that we call life, the best way to do that is to figure out what their intentions are. Is this person serving themselves or are they serving others? And that'll yeah. probably be their, your best start, especially when it comes to men.
0: Yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent, dude. That's an awesome perspective. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Peterson. Um, I, uh, I, I've been listening to his stuff, and I understand why people think he's controversial, but <laughs> he's he's not that controversial. Like, like ninety percent of what he says, like my Liberal friends would agree with it if they just listened. Like, they just didn't like that he said one thing one time, you know? <laughs> but he's, yeah. doing, he's doing amazing stuff. And Andy Frisella also is great. I definitely have. He's on my list, so that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, where did you learn the things that, you, that you've learned? Like, did you have a, a dad or a father figure that, that taught you how to be a man, or did you have to figure it out some other way?
2: So, I... I talk about it in my book. I, basically, the military was my dad. Um, father wasn't around when I was a kid. Parents were divorced, drug addicted, in and out of jail, prison. Mom was in and out of jail, prison. wasn't really present. As a young child, I kind of attached myself to like male role models going through childhood. You know, coaches, teachers, fathers of friends, etc. Church, uh, but never really understood kind of the mechanics of what it really meant to be a man. And I'll tell you right now, when I joined the military, I got a freaking wake-up call. I was lucky enough to have uh, uh, my first NCO, my first sergeant at my duty station when I went to Iraq was a great man, a great father, a great leader, a good husband. And uh, I would say if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have learned a lot of the lessons of integrity and accountability that I carry with me today, 100%. Um, But I would say this journey for me wasn't so much about other people teaching me. It was more so about me realizing the responsibility that came with the people that I was serving online with my businesses and understanding that in order for me to serve them in the best way that I can and how I was called to, I need to first start doing some self-reflection and studying and learning these things on my own. Um, and so I'll be frank with you, Josh, my audible is like hundreds of titles in it. And that's really, re- literally all I've been doing for probably the last five or six years is just listening to books, uh, written by men, teaching others how to be men. And that was really where I captured a lot of my concepts and ideas. And I've kind of used those through critical thinking to formulate my own ideas and perspectives through my own experiences. And, and that's kind of where we're at now, you know?
0: That's something I say a lot is that, uh, you know, people are always like, well, I need a mentor. I need someone to mentor me. And I'm like, you know, the wisest, smartest, most successful people in the world are available to mentor you. They, They all, especially the ones that want to serve, like they wrote their story. They wrote their method. They wrote their process so that you could read it and they could mentor you in that way. And it's not the same as having somebody to talk to, right? But that information is all there, man. So that's awesome.
2: Well, the thing is, man, is is we make the mistake as people of thinking that our problems are unique, and they're really not. <laughs> there's always somebody who's been there, and there's always somebody who has a perspective that is going to be greatly beneficial. The problem that most people have is by thinking that your problem is unique and living in a world where you isolate with your problems, it gives you an excuse not to solve them, which is big problem that a lot of people, people face. If you would just go out and be reactive, or actually proactive and solving the problems that you have in your life and doing the research and asking questions and having conversations, you would very quickly realize that just about every single problem that you have in your life, somebody's had it worse and they've solved it, right? And they've documented it, <laughs> you know? So that's kind of the way that I looked at it, is how can I improve the quality of the relationship with my wife? Well, let me go read a book about it. And I read probably 10 of them. Now, my wife and I have the best relationship we've ever had, right? And that's really what it came down to, is me being deliberate about the things that I want to create in my life, instead of allowing my life to lead me.
0: What, what books are you reading right now or listening to right now?
2: Uh, the the f- number one book that I actually just started was Endure by Cameron Haynes. We just started that. Um, more recently, I've been doing a lot of, uh, of books on marketing and how to run a small business because I'm a business owner. Um, the author that I recommend for those, his name is Donald Miller.
0: Phenomenal. Uh-huh. Story phenomenal. Brand. author, yeah. yeah. He's Have really you read, good. Before he became the marketing guru, he wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz. Have you ever read that? I actually saw
2: that on Amazon a couple of weeks ago, and I was looking at it. I know, I, but I hadn't read it. No, it,
0: it's worth worth reading. And then they made a movie out of it, which is actually also really good. Uh, I love Donald Miller because not only the entrepreneur and the marketing stuff as a marketing guy, that's like I love it, but um, just his story. Like you know, as a, as a Christian, as a faith guy, like his perspective is so unique on it that it like. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. So you need to add it to your list. It's really good stuff.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll check it out. There's another one that right down the lane of that entrepreneurship. Let me grab my phone. Let me see here. I just read it, dude. And I was like, bro, this book literally changed my entire, oh, yep. Contagious by Jonah Berger.
0: Hmm, Contagious. Check that yeah. one out.
2: And so it basically analyzes the psychology for why social trends go viral. It's hmm. an incredible book. Um, if you're if you're kind of an analytically minded type of guy, yeah. I would say that. Um, but as far as personal development stuff, uh, you know, I've basically read it all. Way of, the Way of the Superior Man by uh, David Dita, Hard Times, Great Strong Men, uh, The Way of Men by Jack Donovan. We've read Richard Cooper's book, uh, Think and Grow Rich. <laughs> all the list goes on. Right. And I think those are all kind of a baseline that every man should read is that reading list. But, um, right now I'm kind of delving into more niche topics that are more specific to the problems that I have in my life. And right now it's, how can we more effectively scale this business is where
0: really where I'm focused. Right. I know that entrepreneurship is something, uh, that is important to you Uh, looking through your social profiles and your website you know, you are, I mean, you've got a a clothing brand, you've got, you know, like, kind of a diversified approach to things. So tell me, what kind of advice would you have for a guy who's like, I, I really want to build some passive income, or I want to build a business, I'm kind of tired of, you know, working for the man, any advice for that guy?
2: Sure. So very first thing, um, there's no such thing as passive income. So get that shit out of your mind. There's no such thing as, having money just come in without putting effort. Now, there may come a point where the hard work that you put in for X number of years is now returning the fruits of that labor where you get money back, but there's no such thing as I put money into something one day and tomorrow I wake up and I have more money. It doesn't exist unless you get lucky in the lottery or the stock market, okay? Um, So with that said, Here's the, here's the advice that I have. If you are serious about starting a business and this is something that you want to do and you want to get out of that rat race and you want to change your life is two things, or actually a few things. So the first thing is stop asking yourself, how can I make more money? And start asking yourself, how can I better serve people by solving their problems? If you can come into a space in your life where you have the ability to solve a problem, especially a big problem for a lot of people, you are going to eventually make money as long as you work towards focusing on serving those people and solving their problem rather than making money. Most business owners who start small businesses fail within the first five years because they're focused on the monetary aspect of the business instead of the service of it. And that was something that I had to learn years into my journey as an entrepreneur before I could actually start to see growth and reach that seven-figure mark and start making an, an immense impact in the world on the, in the lives of the people that I serve, is realizing you need to solve problems as an entrepreneur. That's your primary job, right? And so if you can answer that question, what problems can I solve for people, and you have a really good answer, Go figure out a way to solve that problem for rich people. Hmm. <laughs> right? There it is, right? So, how can I solve this problem for either rich people or for a lot of people? And the more efficient and effective I have at, at solving that problem, the more successful I will be. Right. And so if you don't, if you can't answer that question well. How can I, can I solve people's problems? Then you need to focus on developing a skill that you're passionate about, that is going to work towards solving more people's problems. That's step two, right? Either develop a skill that solves problems or start solving people's problems with the skill that you've already developed. And then from there, it's, just focusing on taking one step at a time and and scaling that business. There's one book that I would recommend, and again, it's by Donald Miller. Um, Very, very simple. It's called How to Grow Your Small Business. If you can do the first two things that I just said, go read How to Grow Your Small Business by Donald Miller. And those three things will give you all the tools that you need to give you a baseline of knowledge to start a small business. Then from there, the next step is to go. The conditions will never be perfect. You will never have all the money. You will never have all the time. Uh, Your friends will not support you. People aren't gonna high five you. The people that you thought were gonna be supportive of your small business venture aren't gonna be there. You're going to get more support from random people that you don't know on social media than you get from your own family. Keep going. Just start. You will figure out the problems as they come and just take one step at a time. The last piece of advice I have for you if you want to start a small business is don't quit when it gets hard. Because it will. And it's going to get very hard. And it's going to get difficult and you're going to want to give up and you're not going to have the money and you're not going to have the resources, and the customers are going to stress you out and you're going to have all these problems and you're not going to know how to fix them because you've never solved them before. But getting past those problems is where success lies, right? You have to be, you have to do the things that a successful business owner does before you can be a successful business owner. And that means learning how to solve all those hard problems that come with being a business owner. And the same way if you wanna lose weight, you have to do the things that a healthy, in-shape guy does before you can become healthy and in shape. And that's the biggest problem that most people face or that they struggle with is they want the outcome before they do the work. They put the cart before the horse and then when things get difficult, they realize how much investment is actually required to have that outcome, they quit.
0: So that's it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff, man. I appreciate
1: it. This is the Manlyhood ManCast.
0: Yeah. Josh, uh, I like to ask all my guests a couple of questions. And the first one, anyway. I know we've talked about it, and so if we repeat that thought or if you've got other thoughts, that's good too. But the first question is this, what does it take to be a man? What does it take
2: to be a man? A man? What does it take to be a man? It's a choice. That was the biggest epiphany that I had growing up into my 20s, struggling with my identity and who I was as a man and my purpose and what I was called to be was I realized at a certain point, you just have to make a decision that that's what you want to be. Don't let anyone else tell you what being a man is. You know what being a man is. And I know for a fact that deep down, you know, that being a man starts with service it starts with standing in integrity with your values and what you believe to be true, and f- being willing to fight and die for those values. And it starts with and it starts with being accountable in taking ownership of the things in your life. If you can choose to have those three things in constant one hundred percent perfection, which no one does, but focus on that, you'll be doing better than ninety nine point nine percent of people who say they're men right? I think, and at the end of the day, like, it's not complicated. You just have to wake up every day and make that choice. This is who I want to be.
0: Excellent. So, Josh, let's say we can hop into a DeLorean and get it up to 88 miles an hour and go back to visit 10-year-old Josh. What do you want to tell him? Stop selling yourself short.
2: If I would have started with the mindset that I have now, when I was that age, I'd be light years ahead of where I am. If I would have spent just my adulthood, not negotiating with myself and the life that I want and my standards, And just not, and just living in a world where I don't take no for an answer and I live in alignment with the person that I want to be and have the work ethic that is necessary to acquire those things, bro, the sky would be the limit at this point in time. I think the biggest things that I struggle, or my biggest regret, for lack of a better term, is I spent the first 30 years of my life playing small. Hmm. And now I'm playing catch up and I'm also paying for those failures through the relationships with my older children, right? The impact that it had on them through the divorce that we went through, um, my career, my business, my financial stability, like all of those things. I'm finally to a place where I'm I'm successful, I'm happy, and things are okay, but it took an immense amount of work over the past five to seven, I would say eight years, that I wouldn't have had to pay had I just had the work ethic and integrity at starting then,
0: 100%. That is a very thoughtful answer, and it sounds like it's something you probably thought about before. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, uh, Josh, what is your best advice for the men listening today? Stop negotiating.
2: Right? This podcast is all about talking about manlyhood. Talk, I'm sure you spend a lot of time talking about, you know, what it means to be a man. And we get a lot of different perspectives on what it means to be a man and what that, what, what that represents. And everybody comes to the table with their own thing. And I'm sure every listener has their own opinion and perspective as well but I know for certain that every single person has one thing in common. There's something in their life that they're negotiating on and because of that, they're unhappy with with it, with their life. Last year in actually 2 years ago now, my father died. And I'll just give you some a quick context here is my father a very, very successful entrepreneur before his fall. And when he died, he he died alone, drug addicted, inside incarcerated, because he couldn't overcome his addiction, because he chose to negotiate on the life that he was leading. And he didn't have a relationship with his kids. And I remember, I'll never forget this, and this changed my life forever, when it came time to do his, put together his funeral, the only thing that he left his kids was the bill for it,
1: yeah.
2: and I was the only one who was in a place where I was who was even able to contribute towards that. So basically, what that meant is I single-handedly paid for and cremated and handled the entire you know service for my father's death alone. I flew across the country to host this funeral, and he was 65 years old, and there was less than 10 people at his funeral, less than 10. And there's a lot of people out there who, that will be the reality for you too. There will be less than 10 people at your funeral, and most of those people won't think twice about you a few years after you die. So stop living for everybody else and start living for yourself. Because if you don't and you negotiate, the only thing that you're gonna bring with you to your grave
0: is regret. So I asked that question to a lot of guys and they usually give me this really pat, cheap answer. <laughs> that was a really good answer. <laughs> because you know, I, and I, I don't mean to insult any of my other guests, but you know, they're like, "Oh, the best advice, you know, be be all you can be, and do really, you know, you know, be, you know, this." And they all say the same thing, you know. Well, I appreciate that, but you know, <laughs> you're you're digging deep there and and given some advice that really matters so you know i i lost my dad uh i think it's been four years ago and i had the opposite experience you know my dad would have been that dad yeah uh but his life changed you know and he was there for me and he raised you know a great family and he became a great man and at his funeral there was i mean we couldn't fit everybody in the fire hall we had to get the fire hall because his church was too small you know, and um, waitresses and clerks at the bank and all these people came up. And um, so I remember thinking, I remember pulling the same lesson out of that experience, you know? And
2: I think the difference is probably that your father didn't negotiate.
0: Exactly. Exactly. He said, this is who I'm going to be and I'm going to be this. And it's the right thing to do. And, and but but it's the same lesson. You know what I mean? We 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 went through two completely different experiences and came away with the same lesson, which I think is pretty neat.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so since that moment, man, I'll be honest with you, Josh, my entire entire life has been one hundred percent focused on rewriting
0: hmm.
2: you know, the legacy of my bloodline. That's what I'm here for. I have two sons. Um, Jack and Joshua. I also have four daughters, but I have two sons. And I'm going to tell you that the commitment that I made to myself and that I made to God was that those little boys aren't going to carry the generational trauma that that my bloodline has carried for who knows how many generations. We're going to rewrite that. And if that means I have to completely rewrite the script and change everything about how we do it, then that's what we're going to do. And it's been tough, but it's been worth every second because I look at my life, and for the first time ever, I I look just a step back from my life, and I can say that I'm actually proud of everything that I've created.
0: I'm very thankful for that. So
2: that's my advice for you guys. I think it's
0: excellent advice, and you should be proud because you're doing a good job, man. I appreciate that, bro. Thank you. So if our listeners want to get plugged in with you, what's the best way to make that happen?
2: Uh, Well, we've got a couple websites, but the easiest way to find me joshholyfield.com Josh H O L Y F I E L D holyfield.com So joshholyfield.com or if you just google Josh Holyfield the good news is I'm somewhat good at SEO and all that stuff when it comes to um, Making websites. I even beat Evander Holyfield in the SEO, SEO contest when you google Holyfield so you'll find me on the first page um, and, uh, that's the best way. I spend a lot of time on Facebook. Um, that's where most of my audience hangs out. We have a massive 30,000 member Facebook group, guys that all participate and follow my coaching. Um, lots and lots of free value and resources, free coaching. Uh, we, we host calls every week on Thursdays. And then I also do, Um, My Make America Swole Again podcast on Tuesday nights, which is live streamed on both Facebook and YouTube. So instead of me recording the podcast and then going back and having editors cut it and chop it, and like most people do, I'm sure you do that too, Josh. Mm -hmm. What I do is I just full send the the thing right there on the live stream. And then what my editor does is he takes that and and edits it. And so um, all of my viewers, they get a firsthand look at the live, unedited, unadulterated let's full send it version of the podcast where I actually interact with the audience and then my editor he takes and chops that and cleans it up and puts it on iTunes for and Spotify and all that for the audio so it's kind of a cool thing the way that we have it set up so you guys are always more than welcome to tune in for the live
0: streams on Tuesday nights and we'll hang out and chat for an hour or two awesome we'll make sure to link it in the show notes too so if you're listening to this or watching on YouTube or whatever just click the description and the notes, and you'll uh, we'll, you can link over and check out the work Josh is doing, dude. I really appreciate this conversation, man. You're uh, a good man, you're doing good work. I appreciate you, Josh. Thank you so much for having me, brother. Awesome, thank you, Josh. Thank you so much. Appreciate that feedback from you, man. Looking forward to having you on the show again in the future, guys. If you are appreciative of what Josh has shared with you today, I want you to click on our show notes. And click the links to his social media and his website and go follow him over there because he's doing great work and we want to support him. Uh, Guys, if you are appreciating what you're getting here from us at Manlyhood, I want you to share this episode with a friend. I want you to go on social media and share it to the public. Just let them know that you are a Manlyhood man and you appreciate what you're learning here. Let's spread the word, guys, so we can help other people get connected with what we're doing. Guys, I just want you to know this. I know that... The world is crazy, and sometimes we lose sight of the things that matter most. I want to encourage you, don't lose sight of those things that matter the most. Take care of your family. Take care of yourself. Let's level up. Let's be the most man that we can be. I love you. I'm proud of you. And I'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to the Manlyhood Mancast. If you want to be a better husband, father, leader, a better man... You need to join our private Facebook group, The Manlyhood Man King. Join today. Please help us out with a like, comment, share, and subscribe. And check us out at manlyhood.com.